Certified Financial Planner, Christopher Calandra, is an innovative, comprehensive, informative, and cutting-edge podcast that discusses financial topics ranging from personal finance, economics, politics, and personal growth. Simply Financial will cover intriguing and thought-provoking questions so that the listener can simply increase their financial IQ. Welcome to episode number seven of the Simply Financial podcast. I am your host, Christopher Calandra. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. On today's podcast, we're going to cover identity theft awareness and the Equifax breach. I have with me as a guest, Brian Thompson, the Vice President of Sales at the Thompson Agency. They're in Collinsville, Connecticut, and he runs the identity monitoring consulting practice that they have within the Thompson Agency. So Brian, first off, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great. Good. I think this is a great topic and also a timely topic. To begin with, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. So I've been uh, in the financial service industry going on 12 years now, starting in mortgage at Wells Fargo in California. And then that was 2007. So it wasn't my fault that the whole mortgage... <laughs> no, it's an interesting happened. time to be in the mortgage <laughs> business, but go on. Yeah, so I started then... Uh, I was I was in uh, Santa Monica for about a year, and then I came back to Connecticut. I had an opportunity to start a wholesale division of a mortgage company. Um, when everyone was running from the fire, we were running into it. We got a little bit lucky in timing. Um, and went from 12 people to 300 people when I left, um, developing a wholesale channel at, at that company. And then re- more recently, I went over to the Thompson Agency. It's a family-run business. Uh, my grandfather started that. 62 years ago now. That's and, great. Uh, yeah. And so we basically exist to build strong relationships with agents, uh, our partners, where we are able to serve and secure as many families' futures as possible through different products being life insurance, disability, long-term care, annuities, and now uh, identity theft protection. So this is kind of your baby within the Thompson Agency. Is that yes. a fair way to look at it? Yeah, absolutely. So I understand that we talked off uh, off podcast that was it you were a victim of identity theft or somebody in your family? This kind of strikes close to home, what we're going to talk about today, right? Yes, absolutely. I uh, My identity was stolen about two years ago. Well, back that up a bit. It was stolen probably three or four years ago. It was the first anthem breach. I see. Um and then where I found it was what happened. I, I received the bill in the mail from AT&T for four cell phones. Four cell phones I don't own. I don't have AT&T. So uh, I started to look into it a little bit, and I found that um, somebody had taken out credit at a Best Buy in Washington State um, in my name with my Social Security number, my address, my date of birth, that everything. Um, so they extended credit. Uh, AT&T was great about it. Best Buy was great about it, but it got me interested in this sure. whole process, right? So that was really the impetus of uh, of why we got into identity theft. And throughout that process, I learned a lot, right? Just yeah. just remediating, just from own. your personal experience, yeah, just my personal experience. Because I'm I'm from an industry in the mortgage world where I had resources. I said, hey, listen, I know these people. Let me ask them what I should be doing because my identity was stolen. So I contacted the people that I knew, and they said, do this, this, and this. Ultimately, it took me about, ended up being about 35 hours that it took me to take care of everything. And then I kind of looked back and I said, what if this happened to my mom? Right? Okay. And if this happened to my mom, I'm not sure, first, I don't know if she would have even done anything. She probably wouldn't have paid the bill. Right. She probably wouldn't have called mm-hmm. them. 
she probably wouldn't have taken care of it and still would be happening, right? So um, ultimately, serendipitously, we found um, a great partner where we, we teamed up and, and they kind of brought us in and taught us all about the identity theft market. Beautiful. So you're immersed in this stuff today. Yeah. So in the news recently, there's been the report that Equifax has had a massive breach. Can you just catch everyone up and explain yeah. what happened with Equifax? First off, who is Equifax? <clears throat> so Equifax is one of the main three um, credit reporting agencies. So there's Equifax, there's Experian, and there's TransUnion. So what they do is they collect data and they report that data so that uh, institutions, lending institutions, or employers, or um, mm. even the government in some cases, they hold mm. a lot of information for the government as well. Um, they create reports for them, and they are basically reporting somebody's stability, ability, willingness mm. um, for for loans, okay. for reputational risk, for, for things of that nature. Um, so Equifax is one of those companies, and they're the oldest company, and they probably... Next to the government, they probably have the most information uh, warehoused of any institution. Um, wow, I didn't realize that. And so, yeah, it's an important. They're they're a, they're a very substantial player in in information game. Right? Okay, so they had a breach. Yes, and so the breach consisted of about 143 million people. Um, if you look, that's at, an incredible number. <laughs> like you said, that as if it's. Well, I've been saying it about 100 times a day in the last week. So. <laughs> it was really an incredible 143 million, which is yeah. what, 40% of the American population? Somewhere along that? Yeah, I actually looked that up today because I, I wanted to be accurate. Oh, good. So, <laughs> so give us the number. So, so 249 million adults in America, right? So over 18, right? So that would be 58% of the adult population were part of this breach in one shape. Okay. One form or another. So what was taken in this breach? Because breach sounds kind of like a, not a concrete term. So w mm -hmm. what does that mean? What actually was taken? Was there different information for different people taken? Or was it the same information for everybody? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so this overall, this breach is a little bit different than others, right? Exclusive of maybe Anthem. Uh, so if you looked at LinkedIn, Sony, or Twitter, or Yahoo, those are all breaches that, that were significant. Yahoo being the biggest ever, right? That was the largest breach of all time. In terms of numbers. In terms of numbers. But it didn't involve social security numbers, In right? In terms of information, it was near, not nearly as um, detrimental to, to the individuals that were, right. were part of it. So the things that were involved, to answer your question, is social security numbers, date of birth, full names, addresses, driver's license numbers, and credit card numbers. So not everybody had everything stolen in that list. There's subsets within there. So um, part of that group are, are groups that have uh, driver license and credit card numbers stolen. And that's mostly because of disputes that were happening okay. within the credit but is it fair to say if I had, let's say, your social security number, your date of birth, your address, your driver's license number, I have the full litany of what you just described, mm -hmm. I could do a lot of damage and it wouldn't be that hard if I was a bad actor. Is that fair? Absolutely. So you, they've been given a gift perfectly wrapped up with all the information that they need, meaning 
the bad guys, right? So they have all the information to to perpetrate identity theft. So do we know who the bad guys are? No. Is it just we don't? They might. Equifax might, or the Maybe. FBI might. Yeah. But is it? If you had to guess, is it like one guy sitting in a house in Nigeria someplace, or is this organized crime? Is this like state-sponsored uh, activity? All possible. Yeah. Probably not some guy in his basement. Could be. We don't know. Um, state-sponsored, I would, I, would, I would not rule that out in any way, shape, or form. So what do you think the impact of this breach will be in terms of how the regulators, companies, and the American public look at identity theft. And I want to get into some some tips and strategies for protecting your information in a little bit. But what do you think the impact of this breach is, given the severity, the numbers, the invasiveness of the information that was gotten by the bad guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to be the impact? So I think there's going to be... There's, there's different sides to look at that, but there's definitely going to be impact legislatively there's going to be impact on that there's already a bill on the floor elizabeth warren has has brought up um she's the architect of the cfpb um so there's there's definitely some weight behind okay that motion there's there's um also many um filed lawsuits already um and there's already uh, a lot of discussion at the Attorney General, even in Connecticut, Attorney General Jepson has been okay. um, very vocal about what's been going on. And then, um, so in terms of the result of the significance, again, you said the data. The data is extremely important in this, in that it's the most sensitive data that people sure. have. So just to catch everybody up, you mentioned Senator Warren. She's a senator from Massachusetts. Correct. And then the entity was the CFPB, that's yep. what, the Consumer Financial Protection, Protection Bureau. Bureau. Yep. And, okay. So um, so just to elaborate on that, they, they have an investigation. The FTC has an investigation. The SEC has an investigation. And all the other acronyms as well. <laughs> so maybe I'm jaded. Mm-hmm. But, so the investigations will not amount to anything in my mind. There'll be investigations that may even drag the CEO from Equifax in front of some committee. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, do you think these investigations will help, say, me as an American citizen with the protection of my uh, identity? Or is this just for show? Um, ultimately, I think what will happen That's is... That's a tough question. It is a tough question because you can't predict the future. But... What what I can say is it'll make it less likely or it'll make the regulation on entities such at, such that uh, entities like Equifax are going to have more stringent demands on them mm-hmm. from regulators to protect your identity. Will it stop identity theft? No. Okay. So let's separate from the Equifax issue for a moment. And what are the common ways that identities are stolen? Um, and, well, I guess first off, I mean, how, what is the numbers or metrics you could give us about identity theft? Like, what is it doing to Americans? What are some of the numbers? How big of an issue is this? Yeah, so about 7% of the population every year is affected. Equifax kind of changes that whole uh, percentage, right? right? But 
Um, so if you're looking at those numbers, there's 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 a ton of data on on how many people, what the costs are, what the time frame mm-hmm. it is to remediate. And so like the average person is about ninety five hundred dollars in remediation cost. Okay. And it takes them about three hundred and thirty hours, and that's according to Javelin Report and the FTC. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes them. That's the number of hours it takes to kind of fix it. They may not. Mm-hmm. They may not lose any money on the deal, but it takes them that many hours just to get it fixed. Is that right. what you're saying? And the average person actually does lose money. On does it. lose money? Yeah. So ninety six hundred dollars. Okay. The average. Now that's some. I mean, when I did it, I didn't lose any money. Right. Right. I lost time mm-hmm. and a lot of it, and my employer lost time. In 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 that I had to do most of that sure. work at work. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you have a ton of people that are doing the remediation on their own. They're spending a lot of their own money. They're either absent from work or present at work doing other things than their work. Okay. So as we call it presenteeism. I can see that. something else. Sure. And so the return on investment, if, if in some of these cases, in, in, in some of, some companies are adding this as an HR benefit. Okay. Just as an example. So do you have any sense? So well, before I get, to, I'm so excited about this question. I keep trying to get to it before I should. Um, so it's 7%. So it doesn't take a genius to figure out that 7% number is likely to go up given the severity of what happened with Equifax. Correct. We'll have to wait and see, but yep. it, it doesn't take. It's going to happen. Yeah. So is that the most common way that people are victims of identity theft where there's some... Uh, some intrusion into a retailer or Equifax or something like that? Or is it more common where I go into a store or restaurant and somebody lifts my credit card number? Or what are the common ways that this actually happens? Yeah, so every day people are trying to, to hack different companies. But every day people are stealing information right out from under your nose too, right? So the most common way is through social engineering, which means that they get people get you to do things or say things or give you information okay. that they're going to manipulate for their own gain. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that would be the most effective and often used way because to breach a company is not all that easy. The technology we have now, or most companies have, is pretty good. In, in defending against um, breaches, mm-hmm. right? where a lot of these sophisticated um, hackers are gaining access are through individuals in the first place. So they're social engineering, they're figuring out how to manipulate an individual to get into an account. So in many cases, adding of that layer of identity theft protection can actually further secure your security posture as an, as an entity. Okay. So... The individual is the weakest link of and, all breach. And so is and it, then, does it tend to be local? Like at a, a you know, I, I, I go to a restaurant or, yeah. you know, a, a local little shop? Or is it more like I get like a scam email or a scam phone call or something like that that's not, um, that's not a personal violation but mm-hmm. more through my personal electronics? Yeah. As an individual, you're going to notice it the most mm-hmm. through phishing emails and stuff. Okay. I think we all get those. Yeah. Um, and it's going to get it's going to get more often. It, it's going to occur more often, I should say. And they're getting much better at doing it. 
So in the past, you'd get an email that says, whatever it says, this is, this is my resume, but it's all spelled wrong, and it's from some other country. And it's pretty right. obvious that right. the person on the other end doesn't really know what they're doing. They're not very sophisticated, but they're much better at it now. So this is a, a, a modern version of like the Nigerian print scam exactly. where... Yep, but they're much better at it. Much better at the, it. One of the, one of the, the largest um, issues that we see every year is tax, tax fraud. And so, 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 people so, what are, is, so what is that? People are, people are basically filing taxes on your behalf. But isn't that a good thing that they just pay the taxes? Well, it depends if you get tax refunded. <laughs> Obviously, I'm being fresh. Obviously, yes. Um, so they, they, they do the tax returns so that they get some type of refund or um, credit from the government, and then they... Yeah, and then when you go actually try to file your taxes, they're, they're already done. Okay. That seems to be something that's terrible to experience, plus mm-hmm. probably hard to unwind, I would imagine, because you're yeah. dealing with the IRS, which is... Exactly. Never a fun experience. Never. So this is a silly question, I imagine, but who needs to be concerned? I imagine the answer is everybody, right? Yes. So everybody has to be concerned, and it's not just because of Equifax. Equifax just brought it to the forefront, right? Yes. So if you look at the information, the Social Security, the date of birth, the full name, the email address, the address itself, think about how many times you've put that information on an application for Pretty much anything, even for your children. Mm-hmm. They're going to camp and you have to put their social security number on the form, right? So if you look at all that information, that information is everywhere. Now think about if you were to try and break into my Gmail account, you wouldn't be able to do it even if you had the password because they have two-factor authentication where if you tried on your computer, you had my information, they would send me a text and say, put in this code now. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. So. My whole point in saying that is the information that people need to steal your identity is out there and it's everywhere. So it would be easier for me to find information about your identity than to break into your Gmail account. So this really just highlights the problem for Americans because of the newsworthiness of it. But it didn't really make the problem that much worse realistically. Um, People, what we're going to talk about in terms of tips we should have been doing beforehand but the Equifax will probably get people to act. I know from my clients, I've gotten numerous phone calls and numerous emails, and it's not even really my business, but people are just worried, concerned, rattled a little bit about this. So let's talk about what people should do. Educate me first off, uh, Brian. What's the difference between ID monitoring versus credit monitoring? And as I'm saying that question, I'm thinking there's that commercial with the uh, security guard in the bank. Yeah. I imagine that commercial is talking about that a little bit, right? Yes. So what is the difference between ID monitoring versus credit monitoring? So, so first, they're both important and they're both valuable. Credit monitoring is an important way to monitor your, your credit and people trying to extend credit Either, either you try and extend credit or somebody try to extend credit on your behalf. So initially the way it was designed was to alert you as the consumer of errors on your credit report and then be able to dispute them and then move on from there and, and, and keep an, um, up to date on your own credit. Okay. Right? And so the benefit on the, the monitoring side in terms of somebody stealing your identity is that you'd be able to 
be notified if somebody tried to expend credit in your name. Okay. So for my my instance, when somebody took my identity and, and bought those cell phones, they wouldn't have been able to do it if I had credit monitoring on. Mm-hmm. So what happened was my credit monitoring, as part of the Anthem breach, had ended. And so that speaks to the patience of some of these, these actors, right? So they'll wait. They know what the rules are. They know what the laws are, and they'll wait. And they know that lazy people like me will not Oh, I'm in that category too. Right? So they're not going to extend the, the coverage. So they waited and then they took advantage of it after. So, and then if you look at identity monitoring, um, there's a whole slew of, of things you can talk about with identity monitoring, but it's, it's, a, it's designed to alert cons- customers and consumers of unauthorized activity okay. as early as possible in, in, in the identity of that game. And they can do that through a whole host of different um, sites and monitoring, I say sites, but information resources. Okay. So they monitor, for example, they'll monitor the underground, underground web, the dark web, they call it. And so what they do is they're looking and scouring that, that, that market for people trying to sell or trade your information so what will happen is, so like in the Equifax breach, we'll go back to it for a second, is that they have all this information now. And now they need to do something with it to capitalize on it. And likely what they're going to do is sell it. So they're going to sell it on the black market, and then people are going to perpetrate crime with it. Okay. That's essentially. So regardless of whether your information was breached with Equifax, what are a couple of things that are sensible relatively easy, low-cost ways to provide you and your family more protection? What should I do? So, by the way, I've done nothing. I need right. to do something. So tell me what I should do. Yeah, well, the, the reality is what happens is most people do, don't do anything until they need to, right? So that's, right. that's the biggest problem. Um, but it, in, in light of that, there's, there's many companies that if you subscribe to their service, we'll do a look back for you and help you with any problems okay. in the past. Mm-hmm. So the first thing though, more than anything, is is education, awareness. Know what's going on. Like just be aware. Have a little common sense in where you're putting information. And I say that to myself as well. I'm not saying that as a blanket statement sure. everyone. It's 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 a reality that you are you are in charge of your own identity. You have information that people will manipulate and use to their own advantage. So you have to be careful of what you're doing with that information. So your behavior matters. So common sense examples, if somebody calls you up and asks for your social security number, you shouldn't give it over the phone. No. Um, If you get a pop-up on your computer and you don't know the source of that, you shouldn't put in private information. Those are like two easy examples, right? Yeah. Okay. Simple thing. Another one would be like we were talking about phishing emails before, like that if you ever have a question about an email you're not sure, don't click on it. Like don't open the attachment. Don't open the attachment. Don't click on the link. Forward it to your IT guy and say, just checking. Let me know what you think. Um, one easy thing to do is if there is a link in an email and you hover over it instead of click it, it'll actually show you the real address. So instead of, instead of actually clicking on it, just hover mm-hmm. your mouse over it. It'll show oh, you I didn't the actual know that. Address, okay. the real, the real so number one is be informed Use common sense protections with your information. Mm-hmm. What would be number two? Uh, passwords. Definitely passwords. You have to. You have to have strong passwords. As simple as it gets, you have to have pass- have strong passwords, right? 
So I've done it. I'm certain that other people have done it where they use the same password for everything. Mm-hmm. And so if, if Yahoo's breach, your password for Yahoo is the same as your bank account, right. they're going to start checking these things. They have bots that actually go out and do this for them. And so they, they're so what's always... A, what's a bot? So you have like a computer algorithms that computer are... Computer algorithm that'll take bits of information from LinkedIn. They'll take bits of information from Facebook. They'll take bits of information from uh, the Yahoo breach. And they'll they'll aggregate all this information and then start putting okay. it together and trying to find... So then a more secure pa- um, password are things like include numbers and... Yeah. Um, what's the other thing, like a parentheses or an exclamation yep. point to have capital as well as lowercase yep. letters, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Is it important not to have like your kid's name or your date of birth? Yes. I imagine that's sensible too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Anything that makes it super easy for you to remember is also relatively easy for them to, to figure out, if that makes sense. Okay. And it's not like there's somebody someplace that's looking at your stuff. They're using computers, right? Fast working computers to cycle through all of these different versions trying to, because it wouldn't be so scary if it was like so-and-so is sitting in some faraway place, punching in what they think mine is, but they're using computers. So they go through monster numbers all the time, right? Absolutely. Uh, So number two is, Good passwords. Do you think Americans generally do a good job with that, or not so much? No, it's it's a huge yeah. area of improvement. Yeah, and so the other the other part of it is too. If you walk into most offices, you'll walk in and you'll see, oh, I have a great. They'll say I have a good password, but the password's on a sticky note on their monitor. So it's not just having a good password, but not placing it out in the open or somewhere in your desk, or just know your password. Okay, and don't write it down. All right. Your desk. What would be number three on your list? So. In terms of an office environment, shredding is huge. Putting things away is, is, a, is, a, is a huge thing that most companies are not very good at. And so as an individual, you want to make sure that you're working with, with companies and professionals that you don't walk into their office and you see somebody else's information on the sure. desk. You want to know that when you leave, your information is off your desk. So, so that's, a, that's a pretty simple thing that you want to make sure that you're working with people that are cognizant of and take care of your information sure because as i said before most breaches and most information is is taken because of human error or something somebody does intentionally but not through breach necessarily okay so tell me the three again the first one was common sense protect your information be aware number two is passwords number three is in an office environment, protect the information, and deal with professionals and businesses that have the awareness to protect information. I know in my industry, Brian, we're very regulated. We deal with lots of private information, including people's social security numbers, dates of birth, account mm-hmm. numbers, net worth. We tend to have access to their tax returns, their investment accounts. So we have to be very careful. There's a lot of regulations around it. There's a lot of standards around it. But a lot of it, to your point, is also just common sense, yes. safe precautions. So that's good. Can and, I'll, and I'll just reiterate that because I've, I've had a number of um, prospects that have, have been on the fence until something's happened. 
and every time something's happened, it's human error. It hasn't been from a breach. It hasn't been from somebody manipulating their computer systems or anything like that. It's been some somebody individually clicking on a phishing email or mishandling people's information by sending something out the wrong way. Okay, good, good. So can you explain to me what it is when you freeze your credit and explain what that is and maybe describe whether that's a, a helpful tool or not? Yeah, so freezing your credit is basically if somebody tries to pull credit on you or extend credit on you, they won't be able to unless you authorize that and you talk to the credit agency. So you go to a credit agency and say, I don't want any accounts opened up. Correct. And then there's an extra precaution so that if someone in Washington, I think you said your breach, personal breach happened in Washington State? Yes. So if somebody walks in AT&T in Washington State, tries to open up credit, then AT&T wouldn't be able to access your credit profile and you probably... Um, that person in Washington probably wouldn't be able to get credit because it's frozen and AT&T can't see anything. Right. Is that, is that yep. am I explaining that? Yeah, well? so they, they wouldn't be able to extend credit to anybody without my authorization personally. Okay. So I would have to physically or on the phone call them and tell Equifax, TransUnion, or Experian that to lift the freeze, this is me, and then put it back on. How about risk to minor children? Can you talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit? Yeah, so the risk with minor children, the, the major risk is, is that their credit profile or them as, a, as an identity, uh, personal identifiable, identifiable information, them as a, as a person um, in the world of credit and identity is basically non-existent. And so they have a clean slate that is easy to manipulate that is hard to detect. Sure. So in other words, if my son were to have his identity stolen, he probably wouldn't find out if he didn't have identity theft protection, which he does, until he was 18 or applying for school alone or for a car or whatever it might be because how else would he know unless he had a bill in the mail and that's the other way they do it. But they also change your address so a lot of times you don't know. Of course. So my, minors are vulnerable too. Minors, minors are vulnerable College students are five times more likely to have their identity theft, their identity stolen. It has to really? do with the environment. Sure. Um, and the implications of that are, are certainly detrimental in terms of the ability to get a job, the ability to get extended credit to yeah. them with mortgage and stuff like that. And the whole purpose of an institution is, of college is to produce. Mm -hmm. And not to beat up on college students, I would think that I'm stereotyping, but they would have a higher likelihood of just ignoring the problem, mm -hmm. which only makes it worse. Whereas you used your mom as an example. Um, I think she'd be probably more likely, like you would be more likely to try and fix it. That college student being young and experienced, maybe a little naive, they got their hands full with school, college loans, working, having a good time, that they may just be like, forget about it. Right. Who cares? And then I'll really hurt them down the line. Absolutely. All right. It can affect them for a long time. So in your top three, I was a little surprised that you didn't advocate for people signing up for there's various services there. Our role here today is not to hawk anybody's service, um, mm -hmm. but to be educational. But I'm just a little surprised about who should use credit and monitoring. Would you say everybody should, or is there a special 
group of people or a particular vulnerable group of people than it ought to? Can you just speak to that as we begin to wrap up here today? Sure, absolutely. And in, in no way was I putting those in, in an order. Agreed. So identity theft protection monitoring, credit monitoring, I would say is going to be the norm in the next five to 10 years where what I mean by that is most people are going to be aware enough to have it in terms of the majority of adults. And I think it's going to penetrate the market in a few ways. I think mainly through HR benefits. And I think that um, everybody should have it. So when you say HR, that means it would be some type of benefit offered by employers. Correct. And is that because they're looking out for their employees or is there a business protection element to that as well? Both. So in protecting your employees, so in the world of benefits, it's an extremely low cost, especially if you do it as a group, right? So taking your $15 product, it's more like a $6 product for a year. Mm-hmm. So that the, and that's general statements. I'm sure. not giving you an actual pricing, but it's just an idea. And so you're adding a benefit to your employees, which helps with morale, and when most times people are taking away benefits in this day and age now. So, but it also will help with what we were talking about before with the absenteeism, with presenteeism, and there is certainly a return on investment when you look at the cost analysis of paying for the identity theft on behalf of your your employees, and then the return based on what it would cost you if that that percentage were out of your out of work or doing work, doing identity theft remediation at work. Okay. And having a monitoring program greatly diminishes that. I see. And one of the main points, which we didn't talk about yet, is with monitoring programs, identity theft monitoring programs and credit monitoring programs with, with providers, is you want to choose one that has full service restoration or what they might call remediation. And all that means is they're going to take care of the issue for you, essentially. They're going to do full service wallet restoration where they'll replace all your credit cards. They'll do everything for you and they'll do it through a limited power of attorney. So you sign over your limited power of attorney and all the, all the things, all the reports that I made to the FTC or whatever it might be, they'll do for you on your behalf, exclusive of like getting a new license because you have to go to the DMV. Um, and they'll do that all for you. Now, if you look at the credit monitoring and the identity theft protection that Equifax is offering, the number one thing that I would suggest is that the most important piece they don't have. They don't have the piece that does the full service remediation. They don't have the restoration. They do not have that on the product. Which that going back getting, to your three hundred plus hours that it takes people to fix, mm-hmm. um, that's that's Big really, deal. really important. Yeah. And what the reason probably the reason they don't have it is because it's expensive to run that. Yes. That's a big overhead piece. So you mentioned that you believe over the next handful of years, this will become much more popular, meaning that many, many more adults are going to have it, whether they get it personally or through their employer. Do you have any sense on how much penetration there is? Like what percentage of Americans over 18 have some sort of protection, whether it's the type you advocate for or a lighter version? But do do you have any sense of the numbers? I don't know the exact numbers of how many people actually have identity theft protection. I know that there's there's people see the need. It's yes. sort of like life insurance, right? They see the need, they think they should have it, 
but the number that I actually have is much less. And so the closest numbers that we have to something like that would be that about 25% of HR departments are looking at it and about there's there's less that have it. Okay. They, they don't, there's no aggregator of those numbers. But it's, it's a relatively small percentage. It's not Absolutely. half the Americans, right? No, it's probably below a quarter. Yes. Right? Yep. I would guess. Um, but that's very likely to go up. It makes complete sense to me. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was a thank great you. discussion. Absolutely. Timely subject. I think uh, the listeners will get an awful lot out of this. So thank you, Brian. Uh, if you want more information about Elliott Wealth Management or myself uh, or anybody on our team, please go to our website, www.elliotwealth.com. That's two L's, two T's. You could also reach us at toll-free 888-959-5904. Thank you, everyone, for joining me on today's Simply Financial podcast. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of SagePoint Financial Incorporated and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against a loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. The information being provided is strictly as a courtesy. When you link to any of the websites provided here, you are leaving this website. We make no representation as to the completeness or accuracy of information provided at those websites. Nor is the company liable for any direct or indirect technical or system issues or any consequences arising out of your access to or your use of third-party technologies websites, information, and programs made available through this website. When you access one of those websites, you assume total responsibility and risk for your use of the website you are linking to. Securities and advisory services are offered through SagePoint Financial Incorporated, member at FINRA SIPC. Insurance services offered through Elliott Wealth Management LLC are not affiliated with SagePoint Financial.